Welcome back. This is Necessary Pursuit. I am Shane McCabe, and today I am talking with Brooke Cardis. Brooke is a DEI leader, and she is a force to be reckoned with. I just listened to my full interview with her. Uh, big shout out to a friend of mine that I used to work with who is a radio personality by trade. However, um, the time I met him back in 2019, he came to me and he worked alongside me in hospitality here in Tampa, Florida. And he reached out to me recently and said, hey, um, I could help you out. He currently works for Duke FM out in um, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And he uh, is a radio personality out there, and he's just an incredible person. He's so much fun to be around. Mike DeBoard, big shout out to Mike DeBoard. He brought me some insight into how to get some of these recordings sounding better, because I know the first couple of episodes, including the last couple of episodes, I've already done the interviews. They're a little choppy. They're not the best, but I'm getting there, and I'm slowly getting better at this little uh, project of mine. But today, um, this interview that you're about to listen to with Brooke Cardis might give me some insight um, on just basically like levels and volumes and stuff like that. And he kind of went through the whole interview himself and he ran through uh, some programs that he has and was able to really help me out and get the quality back up to where it should be. So with Brooke, we speak about diversity. We speak about careers. We speak about express clothing, which you would never imagine somebody like myself and Brooke having a conversation about the clothing line express. Um, it's a little bit of fun, a little bit of uh, insight into how we got our starts and where we came from and how we're, you know, getting and going to where we're supposed to be. And Brooke is somebody that I met a couple of years ago who's just a all around good good person and she was just recently at my wedding we recorded this before i got married and her and her wife came to uh tampa to my wedding that i had here a couple weeks ago and she's a good friend of my husband's becoming a better friend of mine um we work on a professional level and uh outside of work we're getting to know each other a little bit better and i really enjoyed this interview because it, it talks a lot about diversity but it also just talks a lot about treating people the right way and um, one takeaway that I have from this interview that I honestly out of this whole first season there's a lot of great uh, quotes a lot of great conversation but the best thing that I heard and I don't really remember hearing it so clearly when I did the interview with Brooke but when I listened to this back today and listened to this interview what she said really struck me so much so that I took a screenshot of it I was like I got to get this and I got to talk about it um, when you meet somebody in life, you have to meet them, uh, you know, meet them where they're at. And you have to know how to treat people the right way. You can't come into a situation and just assume anything about someone that's in front of you. So you meet people where they're at and you just don't really know what they're carrying in their life. If you meet them, you got to help them. And you can't just come into it and say, what's on your mind and what's what you think should happen and you, you have to take that person and really treat them with the kindness and respect as a human being that they are um and and just go with it from there you can't assume anything about somebody whenever you meet them in life you meet people where they are in life and if you need to you help them carry the luggage so this is uh myself and miss brooke cardis a force of a DEI leader here in Florida and really all around the United States. I really hope you enjoy this, guys. Brooke Cardis, good morning and welcome to Necessary Pursuit. Thank you for being on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Now tell me, I, you're recently married. Do we go by Brooke mm. Cardis Thomas? Oh, I'm not hyphenating. I feel like that. I can't do that. To okay. People. Okay. I'm, I will say I'm eventually changing it, but there's so much paperwork. It's a lot. And like any any trans folks are listening are probably like, yeah, we know. Um, but it is it's a it's a long process. So Cardis for now is totally fine. Wonderful. Yeah. No, we're actually so uh, as you know, my fiance and I are getting married in a couple of weeks and we people, people are like, what are you going to do with the name? What are you going to do with the names? I'm like, I'm keeping my name. I don't know about him. I'm keeping my but it's like we're right. you know, we laugh about it. But like for the time being, we're just going to keep what we have just for the sake of paperwork and confusion you know yes 
hundred percent. hundred percent. So yes, welcome to the podcast. You are somebody that I met probably about two years ago when you came on board. 2021. Okay, yeah. So like two years yeah, ago, roughly. And new to our company, but not new to the world, is a diversity, equity, inclusion department. And it's something new for us. It's something new for a lot of people, actually, not to say not to the world. It's new for a lot of people because it's not a category or department or, or term that you would hear very often in the regular everyday setting when you're looking at, um, you know, just work in general, work-life balance, everything like that. But we're looking at your resume and looking at you, seeing what you've done in your career, which is pretty extensive for the amount of time you've been a lawyer and working in the field of diversity. It's something that we currently live in all the time now, this DE&I world, and we see, you know, what these programs, such as what you're doing with your team, incredible work with, um, you know, looking at you, I've just, I've had a handful of interactions with you, you know, just basically on a work level, not so much on a personal level, but things mm -hmm. that people have said to me is this, like, wow, this woman's determined, like, she's a leader, mm -hmm. she's outspoken, she's intelligent, she knows so much about this, this, you know, package of diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm -hmm. and she's a force, like, she's coming into the property, and you've become now the vice president of the department, um, so I guess in a little bit, you know, we'll get to the whole premise of, you know, what this program is designed for and corporations and departments and different things around the world. But where, I guess, did you get this drive from to become somebody that's so, in, you know, engulfed in this, in this world of diversity? You know, I think um, one of the things I talk about in terms of this work as like a lifelong DEI practitioner is, I don't know if you've ever heard of red car syndrome. The red car syndrome is when you buy a car, right? You buy a red car mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're driving because you're like, oh, it's going to be unique. I'm going to have a red car and yeah. you get on the road and now you see all these red cars as you drive your car. You see the same thing. Right. And for me, DEI is, is, is the red car. I think once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. um, I think once you experience and kind of lift the blinders off and see the world for what it is, which is you know, a series of systems that we're surrounded by that are not neutral. No system is neutral, right? And, and I was raised in, you know the life. Okay? Mm -hmm. I was raised in upstate New York, Buffalo, New York, okay? Yep. Like homogenous town, um, you know, incredibly segregated mm -hmm. by design, right? It's segregated by design. And you're raised in these communities. And I was really taught and, you know, much love to my family and to my teachers and to my Everyone, you know, I, it was it was the world they were raised in too. So there's no fault there, but I was taught to fear anything different. Mm -hmm. uh, fear anything different beyond, you know, it was just a, a safety and a comfort that anything different was truly foreign. And I look back on that and kind of unraveling that as I got older and started reading about in law school how actually, right, the differences that we're taught to fear are actually really incredibly freeing and the differences that we don't know about are we're designed that way and i'm not trying to make this the matrix but i am oh but and, you're every yeah you know I, I i joke around with my with um my friends i'm like the biggest you know conspiracy theorist on this stuff but i'm like it really is designed that way so when i started going into the prison system in the state of ohio and working with incarcerated individuals who their civil rights were violated within the prison system right mm -hmm. so you're already in prison and then on top of that right you you still have civil rights we, we 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 think about it in this country and we say oh you're in prison you don't deserve any rights but that's untrue right um the state's incarcerating you that you have a series of rights now you what can't you do you can't vote right you can't do yeah, something, there's a few things that are you're restricted right? from but you still have the right to medical privacy. You still have the right to bodily autonomy. Um, and you still have a lot of rights that are constantly stripped away by state systems. So by going in and doing this work, what I, what I realized is, you know, going in mid, you know, at the time Midwest, Midwest white girl in my black suit. I felt like Will Smith in Men in Black. Like I wanted to look real cool, right? Yeah. I almost, um, real, real, real badass. I don't know if I can swear. So you can yeah, cut that out. Or... But, um, you know, and I went in and I'm going into these prisons and it's just like, I am not made for this. Right. Like I, like, you know, I mean, I'm like, and they mess with you in the prison. Right. So they mess with you because they know you're there to sue them. Right. So they mess with you 
So sometimes I'd meet with inmates and they'd put us in the child visitation room. So I'd have to sit in one of those tiny chairs and like my butt doesn't fit in those tiny chairs. And you're surrounded, like, it's, you know, but they, they mess with you because they don't want you. Yeah, they don't want you there. Right, you know, and, and anyways, having conversations, particularly with black women who are incarcerated for life, which is my focus um, in terms of, of my area of practice, which was black, not black women, but lifers. Mm-hmm. So lifers in the prison system get even less rights. Because if you think about it, rehab, rehabilitation should be for people who get out. Mm-hmm. So these were predominantly black women, predominantly queer black women. Um, because a lot of them came out as queer later in life, hosting, after they, after they entered into the system and getting to know all of the ways these women never had a chance. They never had a chance. I mean, we're talking life conviction at 19, wow. 22. You know, yeah. think about your love. Think about you at 19. No, yeah, no, there's. <laughs> Was your brain fully developed? No. Were you making the best choices? Listen, I'm 36 and I'm still having that. I'm still questioning that. Believe me. You're like, oh, girl, I'm going to have that last drink, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it just, it opened my eyes. And um, as I as I continued to practice law and then got into DEI consulting in 2016, I still, you know, you still saw all these systems, all these things that we think of as neutral that are actually giving people less life chances, which is a term coined by Dean Spade, who's a trans professor. But I love it because it's life chances, right? It's just these eliminations. And when you start in the negative, right, do you ever have a chance to get ahead? Heck, do you ever have a chance to get neutral? Do you got to fight like hell if you do, you know? Right, right. So I think that was my, that was kind of my, I don't know, watershed moment, my linchpin moment in in this journey, which was, you know, I wasn't designed as a middle class, Midwest, you know, chubby white girl in my express suit. Right. Remember express suits and how cool those yes, were? Yes. Um, yes. You know, like, here's a fun Layer fact for you, though. We just talked about this at work. I still, to this day, will buy, because you, we know where I work and the line of work I work in. I'm constantly, like, spilling things on myself and <laughs> stretching and bending over and doing stuff like yes. physical work in a suit. I still, to this day, will buy a specific shirt from Express because oh, they're so stretchy. Number one, they last yeah. forever. Yeah. Shout out to Express. I don't even know if there's. I mean, I don't even know if there's still stores in the malls. I shop online. Sponsor. Yes, unofficial sponsor. Maybe someday, if they make a big comeback, I'll be on their ad campaign for, for hospitality work suits. But I still, to this day, and I still have jeans from Express. I'm not kidding you. Yes. They're ten years old, and people are probably listening to this going, "Yeah, we could tell they're ten years old," but. No, they're like get a new outfit. Get a new outfit already. No, but they're I swear they last forever. And the shirts are like thirty or forty bucks. If you rip it, you don't care. It's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so no, funny that was, you said that. That was it. That we was just talked about this at work because somebody asked me, they're like, You've that's a great shirt. And they're like, we're, I'm like, fun fact, express. Go online, they have you them for thirty that. bucks. They're on sale till Friday. Exactly. They're on sale forever. You can wear that shit into space. Right. Like it is I don't know what it's made out of. I know. But I remember they have these like stretchy flare pants. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna look like a business lady. I'm I am charged. gonna be so business. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably I looked like an extra on Saturday night fever. Oh. <laughs> um but I thought I looked so fly, right? And it was it was like the beginning of, you know, the like business lady butch phase that I went through. Oh my like, yeah, god. I'm look. Yeah, I'm wearing pants. I'm wearing a pants. So, I'm wearing a pants. Well, you know, and in, in the law, it's so conservative. There's actually some counties still in Ohio where if you show up in front of a judge, um, they require the women attorneys to wear skirts. Are you serious? Yeah. It's like my cousin Vinny. Yeah. No, when he and, shows and, you know, up and he's like, what are you wearing? Places. Yeah. Exactly. There's other places I'm sure that that happens. Like, I'm sure. This isn't new, but it's the, the industry, the, you know, the, the law world is so conservative. And it's like, look. This is kind of when you say, you know, I'm a force and I'm a fighter. Yeah, but if I show up to that judge and that's my client, I'm not going to make a stand. I'm going to keep a skirt in my truck. Right. Um, because I'm not there for me. I'm not there to make a stand. I'm there serving my client. Mm-hmm. And if I need to, and it's kind of a good metaphor for how to do this work now or anytime, because you have to calibrate to your audience and you have to meet them where they are. And I think right now in this work, 
Um, you know, it's so difficult to do that. We're so, you know, isolated and in our circles and we don't hear any other different, different opinions. Mm -hmm. But look, like, I'm not serving me. I, you know, I'm not serving the conversation if I show up in pants for this job. He's going to be harsher on my clients, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that metaphor for these conversations that, you know, I've been having since 2016 and now folks are kind of coming into DEI, you yeah. know, in, in, you know, post the racial reckoning of 2020 in the U.S. And they're like, hey, I just got here. And I'm like, come on in. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. For sure. No, yeah, I mean, that's, again, like when the, the program, when the department was introduced and the first time I met you, we went through a couple, you know, trainings and, and you know, just just welcoming kind of seeing what this is all about, what diversity, equity, inclusion is all about. You know, we have a lot of diverse people that work. It's a huge, it's a huge melting pot, especially in Tampa, Florida. And I mean, anywhere in Florida, really. But, you know, like you said earlier, places are, you know, by design, you're, you're, you're certain, some areas by design, you are kind of limited to what you're able to do. It's like you growing up in your small town. It's like me growing up in my small town. But when you get put into a big melting pot, like a bigger city area, bigger, you know, more diversity and larger groups of people, sometimes you're working with people that you've never worked with before that speak a different language with you. They're a different color than you. They're a different, any, you know what I mean? Like it's a whole different world. So when you look back at it and you're like, well, wow, I've worked here for like this, I've worked here for so long and I, this program's new, this department is new. What are they, what are they really going to try and teach us? And I honestly, like for me personally, like I've known about diversity, equity, inclusion, but it's something that never crossed my mind. I'm in the hospitality world. You know, I know how to talk to people for a living. It's what I do for a living, speaking mm -hmm. to people and catering to people and just being hospitable and, mm -hmm. you know, having that welcome smile and approachability. But for me, it comes natural. I like to talk to people. I have no biases and I have no, well, I can't say no. Everyone's like born with that stuff, but you're, you're constantly going through it in your life where you're, you're trained to think a certain way. So you can't say you don't have them, but you try not to act on them. You try to just be, you know, neutral and you're, and you're, you play the role and you stay in your lane. This isn't something new. Like you said, the water's fine. You could jump in. It's great. Um, but and it's, it's everywhere now, you know? Yeah, and it's scary. You know, I, I think one of the things in, in, in doing this work as, as long as I have was just, well, not that long. I mean, you know what I mean? Let's like, oh, yeah, like, but it's long starting enough, in you know? 20, yeah, starting in, in, in really in 20, first of all, I started in DEI before marriage equality was legal. So I call it the dark age. Oh my God. Because we didn't even, <laughs> okay. And I was working for, um, I was a legal intern when the marriage equality case and I had to like race the New York Times and oh the Washington God. Post to read the read the decision and summarize it to get it out to our mailing list, right? Because right. it's like it was a race when a Burgerfell v. Hodges came out. Like it was like you have to, you know. And anyways, I was a legal intern. I was a first year. I was in. Uh, by the way, I just for the record, I don't know. I don't know who's going to listen to this. I was in like the bottom ten percent of my law school class. Uh, they gave me a leadership award for getting through it. They're like, no. you did it. Oh, oh my I god. Was, yeah. Oh, I was at OSU with. Ohio State was like truly people that are going to be they're brilliant they're senators they're going to be senators they're going to be I literally went to school with a guy no joke I have like his name written down because I think he's going to run for president in like 30 years so uh, you know uh, brilliant people by the way and I was bottom of the barrel of brilliance and I will take that every day but being in this work as long as I have you know kind of what what you mentioned is everybody brings in you know everybody is raised and conditioned into bias but then your work, what you go through, right? Mm -hmm. it, what you go through can sometimes exacerbate it. And I think, you know, I was working with a pharmaceutical company that I uh, won't name years ago. And there was this team and they were high, like incredibly brilliant team, right? There's like eight or 10 of them. And these people like were so brilliant, but because of their conditioning, because of being in academia and getting degrees and mm -hmm. writing their thesis and defending it, and protecting their work, right? They then got into the business world and they were like, told to collaborate. And they're like, screw you, why would I collaborate? I got my PhD by working alone, by being paranoid, right? By protecting my work. Yeah, and now they weren't I'm on this... my team. Exactly, like they weren't, you know what I mean? You, 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 you have to protect, and then you get into a team and you have to collaborate. 
And they're like, screw you, I'm not working with you. And yeah. you know what I mean? It was about building trust on this team because they all brought in, by the way, it's global. So there's mm-hmm. people on the team from Russia. There's people on the team from North Africa. There's people on the team from Brazil. And they're speaking different languages, but they're also speaking different everything, right? Even if they are all speaking English, they're not saying the same thing. Right. And you Well, know, they're speaking what that... they're conditioned and what they've known. Exactly, exactly. So having these conversations and, and really getting into it, it's actually really funny. One of the scientists was from Saudi Arabia, and of course, Saudi Arabia has horrific, horrific history um, and record on human rights violations and gender uh, rights violations, just you know, just across the board. So I come in, but here's the difference: I come in with my, and I am paranoid about this guy, right? Because I'm ready to, I'm like, I'm ready to fight. Like I'm, you know, I feel it in me, right? And he keeps interrupting me and saying I'm attractive. And I'm about to throw a shoe. Like, I am like, what is happening with this guy, right? And then we, on a break, I engage with him. And I realized it was a language issue. He was saying the concept I was sharing was attractive. He's like, no, that's attractive. So he meant attractive as in good, which is how he meant the word. Because this is his, English is his third or fourth language. Uh, okay. So I'm over here thinking he's hitting on me. And he just likes my content. Right. So, you know, it's... It was all, so I had to check myself because I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am. And of course, then he invited me to Saudi Arabia to do this work. And I was like, heck no, appreciate you. Love it. No, but you know what I mean? It's right. the baggage you bring in too, because I had brought that in and he was just like, I'm just trying to take a class. And I'm like, stop hitting on me. Right. <laughs> he wasn't. But that's a perfect example of how you, you have those that was your what your brain is conditioned to do, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's exactly mm-hmm. what you just talked about, and what we just talked about. I just about assume everyone. I just assume everyone's hitting on me, Shane. I think that's a good way to move through your life. Just assume it. Just assume it. It's a great. It's a great. Uh, it's a great morale booster all day long. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, like, that's a great little transition though to go into because you talk about um, the. The person you said you you have his name written down is that somebody that person or if you want to talk about that person or anyone really in your life you being such an incredible um where do you feel like you got that leadership ability like who i guess as a as a child or growing up you know what you mm-hmm. you know I, I like i said earlier i really don't know a lot about you prior to meeting you two years ago other than just what i can find if i google your name you're on the top 10 searches for mm-hmm. de and i and if i look at your linkedin and stuff like that but um who would you say would like in your life? And it could be more than one person. You know, I probably have 10 people mm-hmm. was like yeah. an inspirational person. Like, you know, even after it could, you know, for me, it's like somebody I worked with when I was 16, you know what I mean? Like the first yeah. job working at a grocery store, whatever, like somebody and everybody I asked this question to, it's such an, a crazy range of answers, but yeah, you know, you know, there's so, there's so many, People, right? And I think back, like, I can go all the way, you know, I can go to law school, I can go back to some of the trailblazers I met and, um, you know, all the amazing women and women of color doing this work and doing it tirelessly every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly one of my professors, Ruth Kolker, who, if you Google her, I mean, she is the godfather of disability rights in this country. Okay. I mean, she really is. She is. So she was at, down in New Orleans. In eighty, in the eighties, because gay men were getting fired, waiters. There were waiters in New Orleans in the eighties mm-hmm. because people were just assuming they were gay, or I'm sorry, assuming they had AIDS, and then firing them because obviously AIDS could be contracted by by touching. Mm-hmm. We knew nothing about the virus. Right. And what happened in this in this country was, you know. Gay men, or frankly, just men, men who were assumed to be gay. This is what's so crazy. It wasn't just gay men. It was if you, if you were a little feminine, they're like, oh, you're gay, you have AIDS, you're fired. And it was before the Americans with Disabilities Act protected HIV status as, as, as a, as a covered entity, you know, what you could sue based on discrimination. But my favorite story Professor Coker told me when I was in her class was people always remember the case that was won. She goes, I never won a case, but I brought every single case I could. Before the case where you win the right, there's 80,000 cases before that a lawyer did all the work and knew they were going to lose. They knew they were going to lose, but they knew this was part of the process. They knew it was to get to the goal, to get. Exactly. Yeah. 
and she and she laughs because you can follow her career around the United States. She goes, I lost every case, but I laid the groundwork. But I did, yeah. I, you know what I mean? And I think that to me, that moment, and so many moments with her in law school reminded me, it's you. You got to remember the loss is built, and it can feel. And don't be wrong, it's exhausting and disheartening, right? No, <laughs> like, don't you know what I mean? And you got to take breaks. You got to take water breaks. You're right. You got to take. You got to take minutes. You got to mm-hmm. take days. But it is, it's on you to get back to it, right? And I think that for me, was was so important. And also to have an openly LGBTQ professor who was open about even having, and also open about having her disabilities. I was just like, this is this is so much courage and this is so much vulnerability. Because this isn't what we vision, you know, envision success. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it really, I think that's the reminder of this work. And before the pandemic, I oh, had the opportunity. I actually and, just read about that recently. Like when I, was, I told you I was kind of doing some research. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a story all in of itself. <laughs> I opened that's its own podcast. Within like a month. Yeah. It was a crazy, it was a crazy couple months. But what was amazing about his speech that that morning is, this was actually, so this was, this was before the pandemic, so it was Trump's administration. So you're hearing Barack Obama, right? And it's during the Trump administration, and you know he made rules about not talking about right. Trump, right? You know the moderator had a rule. Yes. So we danced around it, we danced around it, and the one thing he would say is, he said, you've got to remember progress, I think this is in his book too, you have to remember progress when you're in it, feels up, down, up, down, up, down, right? Just terrible whiplash. You feel like you're in a plane and it's turbulent. But when you zoom out over the last hundred years, it's slow and steady progress. Sure. It, you know what I mean? And that's the work. And it's, it's, it's exhausting and it's painstaking and it's annoying. But every loss you have is building on someone else's win in the future. Mm-hmm. And like you couldn't have said that like more perfect that your professor, Ruth, like people always remember the winner, you know? And yeah, but you have to look at the the big picture. It's the same thing. I mean, in my opinion, it's a totally different line of work and everything else. But it's it's really it's like that in life. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that in life for everything. If you're exercising, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, building a department within a company or if you're going to school, you work four, six, mm-hmm. eight, ten, how many years you finally get that degree or whatever the whatever the goal is. You're always going to remember the goal and how you got it. But it's like, OK, Step back, look at all the ups and downs, and that's yep. you know I just googled this. Your is it Colker? Yeah, C O L K E R. Everybody Google her. She's, she's awesome. Everywhere, yeah, I see that. <laughs> but again, there's a million of these unsung heroes, right? And there's a million people who have done this work, you know, behind the scenes. Like people talk about Martin Luther King Jr., right? He had he has a holiday, and he has all this, right? And, and he has an incredible legacy. The, SNCC, S-N-C-C, which is the organization that was registering young black people to vote by going door to door in the Deep South during Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. This, that, that, that was, that was King's organization. That's what lifted King up. So we, we know about Martin Luther King Jr. Nobody knows about SNCC. No. Nobody knows how many young activists would go door to door in the Deep South, in Jim Crow Deep South, mm-hmm. and they would get arrested for just talking to black people about registering to vote. Unbelievable. So a whole system of lawyers, advocates, fundraising to bail them out happened in King's purview. And these are the things where it's like, we know about the holiday, right? But we don't talk about all these activists. I mean, I can't imagine being a black activist, right? Going door to door. In, in the deep south, I mean, that's it's life-threatening. You, you know what I mean? It's, you don't know if you're going to get shot. No, that's, yeah. I mean, that's like unconscionable. It's not even, you think about it now in this day and age. Even it's now. It's still not even. Right. I mean, look at the state of affairs just in more than half the country, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's so funny. Someone, I was talking to, I was talking to my one a family member, and let me tell you, Shane, my family is my biggest DEI challenge. They always, yeah. they, they're great. They're great for you. I'll never be out of work uh, for that. Right. But someone said, oh, yeah, you know, I'd love to learn about the civil rights movement and, you know, what happened. And they were kind of talking about it in the past. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's still happening. It's still happening. It's happening right now. You no. Know? 
uh, make make those pictures color, not black and white. We can bring this up to date, you know. Um, obviously, there's certain the, the civil rights era that we know, right? But there's 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 so much more. But when you're in it, when you're swimming in the soup of these movements, you lose track, right? And I think that there's a lot of folks who are like, okay, like we got the, yep, equal rights amendment, we did it, everybody's created equal, rah rah, mm-hmm. um, and and we forget it's it's really fluid, and we're constantly gaining and losing rights in this country. But it's the big picture, you know, mm-hmm. and you look at mm-hmm. that, you look at that end goal. It's exactly what President Obama said when you saw him speak and when you opened that morning. Yeah. Um, what Ruth Calker says about people always being <laughs> remembering the winner, you know, and we have the, yeah. the holidays for these different um, civil rights movements and people that ran those movements. I mean, it's just incredible mm-hmm. work. But it's the big picture and you have to step back and pan the whole scene, you know? Yeah, all the thousands of people, you know, volunteering yeah. doing the work. It's a it's it's you know, King's leadership is one arm of the movement and I'm thrilled it's memorialized. Please don't take out of this I'm against No, no your holiday. But you know, it's 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 going deeper and saying, Okay, what what when we talk about a movement or when we talk about progress, it's never one person. There's gonna be a face of the movement and that's great. But it, you always want to remember all of the untold work that goes into progress. Right. Well, it's funny because we just, I mean, I just witnessed it firsthand, not me, you know, I wasn't there on the front line, but my fiance who performs in drag here in the community in Tampa and pr- around the state of Florida, really. Mm-hmm. And he has made a community out of something that he wasn't really familiar with. If you just look at it from two years ago, it's something he recently got back into and, um, he marched up in Tallahassee with, I think it was like 1,100 or 1,500 different different drag performers. Wow. Um, or as the state of Florida wants to call female impersonators. Um, yes, you, yes. You know, the, the, different, the different communities from all around the state came together, and they all went to Tallahassee, and they all spoke at the steps, and they all got on a pedestal and a microphone, and they spoke their truth. And that's the groundwork for something to come. And if you look at now, some of these some of these states are now backpedaling a little bit. They're you know the people that wrote these initial laws and initial initial things that they wanted to put out there and, and for bans and different you know restrictions. They're kind of still standing firm, but people around them, as you see, as you watch the news, as you read, are kind of backpedaling a little bit because it's like okay, that is a violation of something. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're gonna find. Someone's going to find this to be a violation in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And, you know, the work that was done just in just in those couple of months just to kind of organize that mm-hmm. trip, I saw it firsthand, you know, just seeing the amount of time and effort and who's donating yeah. buses and who's organizing the trip mm-hmm. from this town or that community. Um, the work goes in. They'll remember the leader. I mean, that's it's such a great lesson just in general just to remember there's always gonna be a face of the movement there's always gonna be a winner of the movement but the work that goes in is just painstaking you know yeah i uh Um, yeah i mean i love that but yeah so i mean on the topic of being a good leader i mean do you do you feel you personally do you feel like you are a good leader (laughs) no (laughs) first of all if anybody says that uh they are wrong and i wouldn't want to work with them uh you know i think for me it's always it's always becoming and never arriving with leadership. I'm okay. constantly, you know what I mean, question, questioning myself. And, and I think you have to, right? Now, I'm not saying you want to have um, analysis paralysis, as you call it, where you can't make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my first leadership roles, IO, which is the LGBTQ statewide nonprofit that focuses on advocacy and education and legislation. And... You know, being in that leadership role, what I discovered is even in the state house, and this is every state house, by the way, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what what color they are, uh, red or blue. Um, every you know, the state houses I would work with, I was amazed at how few of the legislators read the bills they were voting. I, they were I just going through motions. Like, like they would go. You know, I had, I had a friend who was an attorney in a state house. Um, you know, and she's like. They wrote this, and they have no idea how it's going to work. Like they just, right. you know what I mean? She's like, "This is all going to be struck down. This, this is illegal." You know, and it's so funny. You know, a million things, not just LGBTQ rights, all sorts of rights. But it was so funny, and I was like, you know, it's a good reminder. I think the real 
rem, the reminder of leadership is you never want to smell yourself too much. You never want right. to be like, I got it. And you always want to remember everyone in leadership positions didn't necessarily hit there because they're good at leadership, right? These people, they had no idea what they're writing and they're pushing it through uh, for votes or for headlines or... No, but they're just going through the motions. Right. And it, it's a reminder that, and I, you know, we put leaders on a pedestal and they're people and they may be having a bad day or they may not be the brightest. Or they may, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, we don't know how they got there. When you get a leadership position, everyone goes, oh, you must have really earned it. And not always. Right? That's like, that's how true. they work. Yeah. So, you know, it's a reminder. It's, it's a practice. I think leadership is, an, is a verb, not a noun. And you, you constantly have to be looking at it and making sure you're, you're showing up. And I, I ask myself that, you know, in, in all the leadership roles I have, because the second you get comfortable and lean back, you're not showing up. That's entirely too true. It's it's crazy because you see it everywhere and you see people that you maybe have once. And I mean, even myself, people you may have once admired and you were like, wow, they're they're great. You know, they're they're mm -hmm. they're truly doing their their work and they're putting in the work. Mm -hmm. But then you look at the bigger picture, like we talked about with having a winner or a face of something and you look back and you're like, OK, I thought they used, I, I, maybe I was mistaken. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right, you were yourself. they really that great? Because then you start hearing stories about things that they've done or you start, you know, you don't want to listen to like everything people say if it's negative or whatever you want to, you want to keep people in the positive light until, until you don't have to anymore. That's kind of how I rule my own, you know, way of, way of rationale. But you, you look at the big picture and you look back and you're like, Okay, maybe they're not that great of a leader, but they helped me for this one little thing. But, they, you know, they, they, you kind of like put all the puzzle pieces together and they maybe have just gotten comfortable and maybe they have, you know, sat back and they're like, okay, well, now I'm doing this and I don't really have to do too much anymore and blah, blah, blah. And then before you know it, they're not, you know, they're not in your, your circle anymore because they were, you know, they, they changed positions or they moved out and they did something else. Well, and it's also about your growth, right? I think that's the other piece of it, right? So... As your leadership acumen develops, Shane, right, you see how others show up different. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that I so I had just a terrible boss uh, a long time ago. So don't so no names. Uh -huh. um, and I'll I'll never forget this moment. And it was such a it's such a powerful lesson that has stayed with me in leadership of what not to do. And those are the more valuable lessons. I can tell you, right? Those yeah. are the ones that stay with you. They are. And, um, so I was working and I was at this leader's home. Um, so we were having a meeting in their home, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and they stopped the meeting because they were getting a renovation done and turning one of their guest rooms into a big closet. Okay. Okay. So you, now you understand the financial, yes. right? So the, the classism that I'm talking about, right? So, so we're all working for this leader. The money difference, the salary difference is significant, right? Yeah. And we're in this mansion. And she stopped the meeting to show us this new renovation where she's going to have, you know, a coffee bar in her closet and a spot just for hats. Okay. Casual. Um, and all this stuff. Just normal stuff, right? Yeah. But here's where, here's the lesson. She also stopped. I can't believe I'm, I can't believe I'm saying it aloud. She stopped her cleaning lady. Okay, who, from everything I, I, I interacted with this woman before, she was from Eastern Europe, she was cleaning houses to get by, okay? She made the cleaning lady come up and look. Oh, my God. And we all had to ooh and ah and kind of give her her kudos for this, oh, my gosh, and finally a spot for all my hats. Like, right, right, right. And you're like, moment. uh, what? And, yeah, and she... And this cleaning lady, like, did not speak a lot of English, so even the language that this woman was using, did, and, and she's just standing there holding a rag mid-clean and had to stop. And it was just this moment of, like, wow, you don't understand your power mm -hmm. and wealth and privilege, which is a word I really don't like to use a lot in DEI, but real privilege, mm -hmm. that you just stopped this cleaning lady, your cleaning lady, to see this 
immense, just bizarrely immense wealth. And it was just, talk about know your audience, talk about missing your mark. No, and um, yeah, I mean, that's, if you're, if, if, and if this person is <laughs> conversing like that in front of a new audience, that her, right. her housekeeper, cleaning person, whoever, she, whatever her title was, and maybe she yeah. had a, she probably, I don't know, did she have a uniform on? I hope not. But <laughs> oh my gosh yeah yeah like, um, is, but yeah i mean it's wild. like what does she speak about when this person's around and there's not a new audience or what was the interaction on a day-to-day -day basis when this woman comes to her home and does the hard work and gets dirty you know right right it was like it was wild but i i think about that where i was like you know you never know you never know someone's situation you never know. you know and i i never assume anyone's situation or anyone you know in any part of our you know life it's like, hey, you know, I'm assuming you can cover this bill and reimburse it. Maybe you can't. Maybe you don't have that credit line or maybe you don't have that cash flow. And it was just this reminder that, especially in, you know, the industry of hospitality, we never want to assume. And that lesson has stayed with me in every aspect of my leadership mm -hmm. journey and career where I go, never, you know, never assume, never make people feel bad for who they are um, and never, you know, you just know, you know, you want to talk about your life. That's one thing, but meet people where they are because you just don't know what people are carrying. A hundred percent. And I say that, you know, I talk about that all the time because it's my industry for hospitality. I've mm -hmm. only ever mm -hmm. always worked in hospitality. I've done numerous different jobs. I've worked, you know, in I've done some real, I worked for a lawyer before I worked for a real estate before I've worked in a dental office before, but at the end of the day, you know, even going through, I think high school, I mean, I've worked in grocery stores and restaurants and ultimately now coming into basically corporate hospitality. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's all hospitality. Everything is hospitality. If you're standing in front of somebody and you're presenting somebody with a product or an image or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you could be selling jeans, you could be selling cosmetics. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's hospitality. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing if you're saying, and if I go out to dinner with somebody and we're at a restaurant, groups of friends, what, if this, if one person acts out or says something negative or says something about, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not tipping because my food was late or that, oh, that person is immediately out of my circle. They're never going to be in my company again, or at least they yeah. won't be invited by me. And it's like, you know, and I've, and I, and I have friends that, that I never saw that before that side of them. And I've introduced them to people that are very close to me in my circle and we've gone for dinner and something happened one time where the person was just, I want to say rude, but they were just not happy with the service and the meal and everything It was basic dinner service. And a very close friend of mine was like, I don't know how you're friends with those people. And I was like, kind of, kind of like, I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, I've never seen that before. I don't know where that came from, you know, but immediately like oh gives you that bad taste in your mouth, you know, and like okay, knowing so your audience, have, you know, just know I your audience. I need to audience. know that. So the, I, the same, the same former boss, I used to have to bring because she tipped so horribly when we go out and worst. I was so embarrassed. And I am like, you know, do you what do you do so if it's a work you know not even any situation if you're in that situation do you leave cash down because i to me you I have am to mortified by that i'm mortified by that and i'm like what do you do especially someone who's been in this industry your whole career you have to and there's one honestly there, so there's one time in my life that i remember this is a little bit off like different from what you're talking about but yet you do have to leave the cash down you have to you could, or, or you go back yes. in i forgot something i have to go back in whatever mm. like you, have, you just have to be that nerd and like make it make the beeline to the where the where the servers or the bartenders come out of the kitchen and be like is brooke still working i just left i was at this table right here you know whatever but like, i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry to bother you i know we just you just dealt with our nonsense for 60 minutes but i wanted to give you more money but it's the truth. Like you have to, you have to act on that. If you've listened, and that's one of the questions that I always ask interviews and in interviews is, do you always trust your gut? If your gut's telling you to go back and do it, you have to do it. Cause it means it's the right yes. thing to do, at least in my opinion. But there's one time it's like a little side note. We, I went for dinner and was, it's like a lunch, something. I don't know. We were drinking. It was like an all day thing. And, um, I love a good day drinking afternoon, by the way. But, um, do you? We, oh, that's a good sidebar. <laughs> good sidebar. And we were mm -hmm. out and there was, I think, five of us and everyone kind of gave me their money or Venmo me their money or whatever. And I put it on my mm -hmm. car and I remember getting home and I don't know, like, it's probably just the inner 
hospitality workings in my brain never turn off. But I remember getting home and like going to bed. I was like a little bit drunk or tipsy, whatever. And like going to bed, waking up the next day and being like, it just immediately hit me. And I thought, oh my God, I did not tip that person correctly. (gasps) And we were a fun table. We were not obnoxious. I mean, I say that, I don't know, but like, we're not, you know, I'm like, I'm I like guy. to think that I keep good company, you know, I mean, I like to think that I'm in, I'm in the right space when I'm with people out in public, but, um, if people listening to this are probably like, he's the worst, but yeah, no, exactly. No, but, no. um, we, I, I remember paying the bill and it was like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I gave her a really good tip. Well, in yeah. fact, I did not. And it was like 10% or less. And I will take this. I this was years ago. I will take this to my grave with me. I never. I mean, like I the the, the guilt that I feel. I'll take the grave with me. I never went back and tipped that girl properly. Mm-hmm. And I said I was going to do it. And to this day, it still bothers me that I didn't go back to this restaurant. I don't know who the person was. I don't remember her name. This was like five years ago. It was pre pandemic. And it's still to this day. No, it's the, you have to do that though. If your gut tells you to go back and tip the person, or or just a simple thing like, hey, I don't have any cash this person I was with paid so sorry. You know what I mean? Like have a great day. Have a great Christmas. Happy new year. And I hope the spring is great for you. Like, yeah. And that is still with you. And you know, okay. You're going to think I'm crazy again, speaking of sidebars, but, um, do you know, have you, do you know what mycelium is? Have you ever heard that word? No, maybe. Okay. Okay. Well, you you shouldn't, it's very weird. And I'm a bit of a tree nerd. So, Okay. Uh, mycelium is a fungi, and it okay, yes, then I have heard through, of it. Yes, yeah, it runs through the whole world. It's okay. the biggest living organism. Fungi uh, are the biggest living organism in the in the world. Okay, but tree they all <laughs> and they and they and they connect the trees, and the trees talk to each other. Okay, and what they've discovered is through mycelium, a tree will send nutrients to another tree that's sick. Okay, right. And, 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 yeah, okay. So you're like, Brooke, what does this have to do? No, I'm like, yeah, no. You know what I mean? I'm, I now I'm invested. I want to hear. That gut feeling that you're talking about, even when, let's say a tree is chopped down, mm-hmm. it'll still send signals out. And other trees around it will send it nutrients to get better, even though it's dead. That's okay. crazy. It's crazy. Is that for all? Is that for plant life too? Like, or is it just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plant life in general. Yeah, plant life in general. So it's so connected, right? We don't think about trees and plants as community, but it's real. And when I, when you said gut feeling, that's what came to mind because I don't think enough people trust their gut feeling, and I don't know what it is. It's the, it's the, it's the connection of humanity Mm -hmm. that you're feeling. It's this feeling of right, like, and that to me. That's our connection. And I don't, I don't, I was raised Catholic, so I'm not really into like, you know, the, that yeah. sort of religion. I, they, they were not very accepting of our people. So just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, stay away. Yeah. But I have such a spiritual feeling and connection of each other. Right. And if I, I tell you, I've woken up and been like, man, that email was mean. I shouldn't have sent it. Right. And why? And then I'll apologize the next day. And they'll be like, oh, I didn't even take it like that. I'm like, yeah, but I did. But so I, I didn't. It made me feel a certain way. Yeah. Right. And you don't owe me anything, right? That's the other piece of this. When I come to you and I say, hey, I messed up, you don't have, it, I shouldn't expect it. It's okay. I don't need to be comforted. That's mm-hmm. not why I do it. But it's the connectionness of the human, of the human spirit, right? That we all feel. I think there is that gut feeling is your mycelium. That yeah. gut feeling is you kind of being connected to everyone. It's so and- true. It's so <laughs> true. I mean, I couldn't, I could not agree more. I say it all the time. And I teach this to the people that I work with, the people that I try to be a leader for. And mm-hmm. I like, just, just when you're talking about owning and owning a mistake or when you're talking about yeah. making a decision and owning it, I mean, unless you're robbing a bank, I'm going to back you mm-hmm. up. You know what I mean? Unless yep. you're committing a federal <laughs> crime. Right. Or, right. you know, you're, you're, even a you're state crime, you know, we'll let whatever, that go. <laughs> something. I'm going to back it up. You have to own it. If it's, do I put this, you know, do I make this decision? I can't ask you this question right now. Do I just make this decision and run with it? Or do I not mm-hmm. do anything and hope it just works out? Well, yeah. obviously, you could hope in one hand and you know what in the other, and you're going to see what mm-hmm. happens. You know what I mean? Like, it's the matter yeah. of you have to trust your decisions. You have to trust your and, and own them. And 
hope that your leadership team is going to say, mm-hmm. okay, great job. Not the best yeah. answer. We're not going to walk you out the front door next time X, Y, and Z <laughs> might this. be better. You exactly. Know? Yeah, but you have to trust your gut. And I do that all the time. I mean, it's like things at work come up all the time. And mm-hmm. you know, we talk and, about yeah. consistency and being fair and doing things the right way. If it's something as simple as a gratuity on the bill, like going back and giving it to your mm-hmm. server. If it's something about just treating people with respect and kindness and something I say mm-hmm. all the time is leave people better than you found them. Like yeah. whatever it takes, you just need to be that person and, you know, trust your gut ultimately because that's the lane that you're going down. It's how you were raised. It's something is telling mm-hmm. you differently than what the other person is telling you to do. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's very complex at the same time. And we, everybody knows that, you know, I was just talking to someone about the camp. So you just said it and it's so weird because, you know, sometimes you say something and I said this now a week ago and now it's coming back in this conversation. Yes. And again, it's the, it's the mycelium of it all. It is. No, it really is. Um, I just explained to someone the campsite rule. And I said that, you know, I, I'll, just for the record, I'm not someone who camps. I'm not that kind of lesbian. I just want to be crystal no. clear. Definitely not. A okay. Camper. Yeah. I'll my idea of hotel. camping. Yeah. My idea of camping it's is a Hampton Inn with a nice drive. Like, well, I'll just, let's go to drive. No, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at the airport. You can pick me up when you drive your own car there. Yep. Yeah. And I'd love that. Yeah. And I'd love, and I'd love to see you there. But yeah, so I'm not a camping gay, but I love the campsite rule. And that's the campsite rule. Leave it better than when you found it. So yes. if you show up at a campsite, right, and there's a piece of litter, um, you, when you pack up, you take it. Yep. Even if you didn't, and this is the key, right? Even if you didn't litter. Right. So too many people come into any role, and I think any role is a leadership role. I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Any role is a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And say, I didn't leave that. That's not mine. Not I didn't do mess. that. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, no, (laughs) if you're right, if you're on the campsite, the litter is your problem. And and here's the thing, that litter, if you leave it, you know, maybe we'll spark a fire. Right. That'll, that'll take down the whole forest or take that. Right. So, so it's, it's that joint community responsibility energy. And when you come in and you go, not my, not my rodeo, not my circus or whatever, and decide that's not my problem. It's not my lane. Right, I see this little problem. You have no idea if it's going to grow into a forest fire or not. So, what right. is the responsibility of leaders? And I think I love the campsite rule. I love the campsite rule for friendships. For you know, I, yeah, I've I've cut people out, friends out of my life. Because Absolutely. I'm like, look, you know, we're not leaving each other better than when we created for either of us, right? Um, I'm not helping you. You're not helping me. We're bringing out the worst in each other. And I think being in your <laughs> being in your thirties, I barely made it under for my forty under forty for global gaming business. I was like, I got a few more years. Which for this. I just read about that. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. But I was like, I barely made it. But so I'm more judicious with it, mm-hmm. right? So where do I want to spend my energy? Okay, I can pick up that litter, but actually, wow, you know, I'm gonna need a little more help with this. Or you know what? Hey, this friendship, we're both not bringing each other anything. In my twenties, I would have stuck with it. Cause I'm like, I can make it work. Um, and now I'm like, no, you know, you got to let that go. And I think that's the other piece. And maybe it just comes with age. It definitely comes with age. I mean, it's like you, you, like you said, it's everything, you know, you're born here. You, you're raised a certain way. You're, you're by design told Mm -hmm. or you're, you're, I hate the word groomed, but you're groomed into saying things like, unless you're taking your dog to the vet. I hate the word groomed, but. I hate it because it's it's such a it's such a Ugh, yeah it's such a loaded sticky word. word yeah I mean it's just whatever and it's uh you know you're 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 put in these positions and you, and you okay you, then you're in high school and that's a shit show you're in high school and then you go to college and you think you know what you want to do and you're 22 years old and you're like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna whatever well you know then you're married have a baby divorced by 30 and most people are whatever I wasn't but you know it's like right. things happen in life and you don't know what's gonna happen but ultimately you know it, it's everything i think like it comes back to trusting your gut you know you make decisions yeah. in life and where they go you just hope and pray sometimes that it works but if your gut is telling you to do something and 
if you feel a certain way about something, you have to clean it up. You know, you can't just let yeah. things go by the wayside. And I hate the phrase, well, not my, you, you just said it, not my circus, not my monkeys. Like when people say that, it's like, okay, well, maybe it's time for you to retire. You know, like maybe you should change your career because people that come home from work and complain all day long, wh where does that get you, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think you kind of talked about positive, you know, positive mindset. And I think, I think that phrase can be really co-opted and, mm -hmm. and, and I think we always got to keep it in mind because I love, I love the way you put it. Right. And I think that that's really great. But when I, ha when I've had leaders in my past, I'm like, just stay positive. I'm like, you seem like someone who's never gone to bed hungry. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, look, positivity is great. Correct. And that's again. Yeah. So, and that, you know. so is security and safety. And I think yes. when you really build <laughs> bright safety on a team. Now, a little bit I love positive yeah. mindset. Exactly. And I think like, you know, that, you know, if, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. like if you, if your basics are taken care of, you can go beyond survive and you can thrive. Right. Right. So when I hear a, you know, a Silicon Valley billionaire be like, just all about positive mindset. I'm like, you had a private yoga instructor this morning. Correct. Like, come, yeah. you know, probably do Reiki over you before you got out of bed. Different level. So, yeah. Exactly. Different level. Now, I do believe in the power of positivity. A hundred percent. I think positivity has to come with reality. Mm -hmm. You know, so always remind yourself, you know, oh, yeah, no, this person is, oh, this person, you know, they're not positive enough. And then why don't you do a little root cause analysis and ask them some questions and find out? Because maybe, maybe their partner just left them. Maybe their childcare yeah. situation changed. Maybe their mom is being a jerk. Like, who knows what the thing is, right? It could be interpersonal. It could be financial. It could be, you know, lack of security. Hey, our housing, our, our rent went up. Gosh, this whole country, there's so much inflation. Our rent went up. And that means our standard of living is shifted. I got to do different grocery shopping. I have to go to a farther grocery store. I have to take two right. buses now instead of one. Um, but I, so I can't buy certain foods because they'll go bad on my way home. You know, you're not thinking about the reality of living right now in America in 2023 where it's hard. And I think that's, that's the, that's the red car. That's DEI. DEI is saying we're all facing different levels of marginalization and struggle. And you just don't know what people are carrying. Cause I'll tell you what, when I was struggling, you know, right out of right out of law school trying to figure out my loans entry-level job mm -hmm. trying to work the work the hustle and going in and out of prisons and doing the thing man if, if some leader told me to stay positive i would have punched them in the neck right. i would just been like bam you yeah. know what i mean and i think it can be really really positive i i love positive mindset and i always tell people you know yes positivity is important and we want to stay positive especially in those tough moments but that saccharine rose colored glasses positivity can almost set you back because you got to be realistic and you got to meet people where they are. A hundred percent. And there's no better. I mean, you said it perfectly. There's no, when, when someone tells you, well, just be positive, just be positive. <laughs> oh my God. About yeah, right? what? Like what about like my bowel movement this morning? What are you trying to tell me? Right. Like where, you know, like, do you want me to be positive about the shit show that just happened at, at, in my day or the car accident that I just got in? Like, wh how do I stay positive right now? You know, it's, right, it's definitely right. an infectious thing <laughs> when somebody is, you know, positive. If you're around somebody that's mm -hmm. genuinely happy and to be completely honest with you, you, I, in my opinion, I think you are one of those people that you have that sort of infectious kind of, mm. there's Brooke. I have to say hi to Brooke, you know, like she's, she's a, she's she's just somebody I want to say hi to and speak to like, you know, mm -hmm. coming down mm -hmm. the hallway at work for whatever reason, you have that impact on people. And I don't know what your morning was like. I don't know what your flight was getting up to Tampa or mm. what your drive was the night before or whatever. But some people don't, they just don't have that, you know, and you see people in everyday life and it could be your neighbor. It could be the mm -hmm. person you see every morning, the, the, the person that's crossing the kids at the school bus, whatever. And mm -hmm. they're just not, you could just see it in their face that they're just not thrilled with what's happening in that moment. And it could be yeah, an everyday thing for them. It could be they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. They had a terrible tragedy, whatever. But when someone around you is positive, it's infectious. You know, it truly yeah. is. And it, it just, if you're walking into, I mean, think about, okay, there's two totally sides of the spectrum. You're going to a funeral or you're going to mm -hmm. a Taylor Swift concert. 
you're not going to catch too many people at the Taylor Swift concert unless they ripped their shirt or something that they just bought on Amazon and glammed up with jewels. They're going to be negative. They're not going to be unhappy yeah. when they're walking into a tailgate for the Bucks game on Sunday or if they're mm -hmm. walking into, um, you know, uh, Disney World for the first time and they're bringing their three exactly. children. Like that's a different vibe. It's a different setting. You might catch somebody that's crying in that matter. They've had a tragedy happen or something has happened in their day that's made them upset. And that might bring you down for a little bit. But ultimately, I would say the majority of people walking around a fun, happy place are fun and happy in the moment, you know? And exactly. that's the same exactly. concept as if you're walking into a funeral during a church service or something that's just so <laughs> terribly gone wrong right. in your life. You're not going to see too many people like, you know, smacking their gum and hanging out in the back talking mm -hmm. about their night before, you know? Absolutely. So it's so real. You know, you, you asked me, it's funny you, you say funerals because I, when you said what leader, you know, you looked up to, I talked about Ruth Colker and she is an absolute trailblazer, but the ultimate trailblazer was my, for me, was my great grandmother. And uh, her, her name was Jeanette San Pedro. And she, uh, like a lot of my family, Italian women who married Spaniards, who married men who are from Spain. So really good food. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of a mix, a language of like Spanish mixed with like Italian, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In, in the house, just lots of good food and lots of whatever. She always told me, never get married. Men just want you to cook for them and do their laundry. Love that energy. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, and I listened, <laughs> didn't marry a man at least, but, um, right. she <laughs> got that out of the way. But when she passed, I was, you know, 13 and it was probably the biggest loss I had had up to that point. I'd been very lucky up to that point and I think it was 12 or 12 or 13 and my sister and I were at the funeral and we were laughing because we were telling stories about her and having a blast about all the things we used to do and god she would feed us like pastry covered in butter for breakfast right. and she's like this is healthy and I'm like I love this and chain smoking always right. making sauce you know just total Italian grandma vibes every stereotype that was her little you know candy jar full of those like terrible gummy mints shaped like leaves that tasted like feet, you know, just the whole night. So we're laughing. And one of our relatives was this old crotchety aunt. She's like, how dare you laugh in front of, at a funeral, you know? And I was like, even in these moments, we find these moments of joy. And that's what makes humanity so worth it, right? And even this work of where DEI is now in this country and how we're so divided and you know, we're, we're on the verge of a government shutdown and no one can agree on anything. And Congress can't even agree on changing daylight savings time. Like they literally it, cannot even agree the most on the time thing. of day. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you got to find those moments of joy. You have to find those moments of positivity and those moments to connect. Because if you don't, you'll lose it. Like it's so hard right now. And life is so hard and there's so much to do and there's not enough time and you can get caught up in it. But I think, you know, these conversations and these moments of pause are such a gift. And if you can find, you can always find joy everywhere, those positive moments everywhere, no matter what. Um, that, to me, is, is the gift of life. I could not agree more. I mean, that is, you know, perfect summary. If it's if, of what we just talked about, I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, <laughs> except my silliness. You might want to. You might want to cut the thing about mushrooms. It's pretty no. weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I mean, we, you know, we covered a lot in, in, you know, just over an hour. But, um, you know, we've listed a lot of things, too. I'm just like, I'm like, I took a couple little notes here from, I guess, uh, <laughs> least important to most important. Least important being the express <laughs> jeans and clothing that I still have. Oh, yeah. Coming into Ruth Coulter, talking about your great grandmother, Jeanette, and her, <laughs> her giving you pastries with butter. That's top of my list. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, ultimately, like I said earlier, and just kind of circle back to what you do for your, what, what seems to be your career thus far, and I'm sure will continue to be amazing in the diversity groups, but, um, and the equity and include everything just engulfed. It's everywhere now. It's not something new. Um, you know, like you said to me when we spoke earlier, this is something that we've had for quite a while. Um, the water's fine. <laughs> Everybody can jump in. It's not something that, you know, it's going to uh, mm -hmm. shock your system. Maybe if you're, you know, still in that mindset of not wanting to learn about it, that's different. But, you know, um, 
it's 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 everywhere now and it's something that is so much more i guess you know present as you in recent times um going all the way back to we spoke earlier about just different movements civil rights and different things that have happened here in the country over the last 50 years not even longer than that it's such a short amount of time the last three years um up until present day it's not something that's over it's not something that has ended it's the lane that we are all in and it's very unfortunate but it's something that you know these small victories and people will remember someday these little wins that come and they get put out there and it's like this was the win for this time and this was the win for Mm -hmm. that time and people work painstakingly to get those wins and it's the small victories that lead up to them yeah absolutely absolutely and i think you you summarize it so beautifully like this is this this takes a lot of work this takes a lot and sometimes we have to remember those breaks and those community moments are really really crucial to stay in it i think in 2020 i had a lot of friends doing you know, different types of movements and they, some of them burn out really fast because they hadn't kind of figured out that balance. Yeah. Um, and it, it does a disservice, right. To whatever cause you care about. It could be any cause. And, you know, the biggest and most important thing is I always joke around, you know, I say self-care and that mimosas and pedicures, not all the time. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm for them. Uh, but you know, self self-care is checking in. How are you doing? Can you, Mm-hmm. If you can't show up for yourself, you're not going to be able to show up for your the people around you, and that's real leadership. So I think taking care of yourself has to be ultimate. Has to be the ultimate piece of leadership. And so many strong leaders have admitted they they fail at it, right? And they're like, hey, this is a this is a constant practice. But just like that, the marathon of of leadership, take you have to take care of yourself and one another, and especially I think now more than ever, the community that you need to create to keep fostering a space where you can show up for one another is key. And I think, you know, these kind of conversations and getting to know you and, you know, having conversations about gay weddings and our families and those kind of things, like those are the things that bring me soul to soul mycelium level joy. I love that (laughs) word, by the way, because I, I, yeah, it's like my new thing. I'm going to get it tattooed somewhere so I can read it all the time. Because it's so true. It goes hand in hand with gut. You trust in your gut and just kind of like knowing where you stand, you know, and and who's on your left and your right and who's out for, you know, blood and who's there to hold your hand. Yes. Yes. It's so true. I've never, I've never believed more in the power of community. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And I say that all the time. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, I obviously adore you and I look up to you in different ways than more than just one. But, um, I know for a fact, my fiance absolutely adores you as well. So uh, I was very happy when I asked you to be part of this and I appreciate your time and everything. Do you have anything coming up that you want to let anybody know about any speaking engagements or anywhere you're going to be in this crazy world? I, uh, I don't think I do. I, if, uh, if anybody is out, I'm trying to think about it. No, I think, well, I'll be out in Las Vegas accepting my 40 under 40 award. There you go. Um, and a when, couple, when does that happen? That is uh, Wednesday, October 12th. But I'll tell you right now, I am not built for Vegas. You can day drink. I can't. I don't have that ability. I didn't inherit that. It's my favorite. So I'm a, oh my God, I'm so jealous. I can't do it. Yeah. If it, if the sun is out and I have a drink, I turn into a gremlin. Like, no, I am like miserable. People are like, what oh. sports do you watch? And I'm like, anyone with the tailgate. Like anywhere You're like, I'll take anything in the day. Cooler. Yes. Yeah. So if you if you if you if you're in town and want to grab a coffee during the day, right. I can only do wine. <laughs> oh my god. Well, hey, that's perfectly fine. So yeah, Thank the you. forty Thank under you. forty. Congratulations. I was reading about it. Thank you. you. And of course, it came up everywhere. Um, but again, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, we will talk soon. Thanks, Shane. All right, Brooke. Thank you.